Well, good morning. God bless. Welcome to another Bible teaching from the ministry of A Love Outreach. Today I'm going to have you open your Bibles up again to Acts chapter 3. I say again because we actually studied chapter 3 in its entirety um, in one of our previous studies, but I'm just going to go ahead this morning and read through some of the verses within Acts chapter 3, just as a refresher. And as I often say, we can never get too much of the Word of God. So, But in our study of Acts chapter 3, we saw where Peter and John had been used by the Spirit of the Lord to heal a lame man that had sat for years outside of the temple in Jerusalem. Actually, he was lame from his mother's womb, we're told. Uh, at what point in time in his life they began to set him outside the temple, we really don't know. But as uh, Peter and John came upon this man and the Spirit of the Lord used them to heal this lame man, this caused quite a stir as you could imagine, amongst all the people, and there were a bunch of people there that were gathered in that area around the temple, um, and this was a big deal. It was a big ordeal because everyone known that this had known that this man had been there for years and that he was lame. So now here he is uh, walking, right, leaping, praising God, you know, and, and here this miracle that no one can deny had been before, uh, performed. So as we look down at chapter uh, in chapter 3 at verse 12, we see where it says, so when Peter saw it, right, that is what, what that's talking about there is that Peter saw that the, the great stir, you know, the, the amazement that had happened amongst all the people. He saw it, and, and it says he responded to the people. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? So they're probably all eyes are on Peter and John. Like, oh my gosh, what did you guys do, right? But Peter tells them here in verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. So what are they witnesses of? They're witnesses of the fact that God raised him Jesus from the dead, right? And his name, verse 16, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence 
of the Lord. And I expounded on all of these scriptures in our last study of Acts chapter 3. You can find that on our YouTube channel or by going to our website, aloveoutreach.com, which you see on the screen here, if you feel so inclined to do so, right? But there's this time of refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord when someone repents and is converted, okay? And he goes on, Peter here in verse 20 says, and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. And now our verses for today beginning in verse 1 of chapter 4. Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now let me pause right here for just a bit because it's very important that we take note of something here in these verses. We see here that the reason that these religious leaders were upset with Peter and John was at least partially because of the fact that they preached that when someone is in Christ, that there will be a resurrection from the dead. And they're also preaching, of course, that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, this is... Um, this particular group of people mentioned in verse 1 here uh, did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. Okay? They, they didn't like that. That's why they didn't like the fact that Peter was preaching this. However, Peter and John did. They did believe it, of course. And they had just performed a wonderful miracle in the life of a man and this had captured the attention of all the people around them. The Lord God was at work in and through the lives of Peter and John here by the working of his spirit. These men were performing miracles and they were preaching truth. Okay? And the truth of the matter is, is that when someone is in Christ, they will indeed be raised from the dead after this life on earth is through. The Apostle Paul taught the very same thing. In 1 Corinthians 6.14, Paul said that God both, both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up 
by his power. And Jesus said in John eleven twenty five that he is the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, Jesus said, will live even if he dies. So there is a life after this life. There is this eternal life, this resurrected life that we are going to experience. But these religious leaders here in this story, they did not want to believe. First of all, they didn't want to believe that Jesus was the Messiah because they did indeed take part in ordering him to be crucified, right? Some of these people right here may have been the ones shouting in the streets, crucify him, crucify him. Let Barabbas go instead. Give to us Barabbas, let him go. Crucify Jesus, okay? So in verse three it says, and they laid hands on them. That is right, Peter and John, and they put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Now we know when all of this began, it was about the ninth hour, we're told in Acts chapter three, when Peter and John came upon this lame man, which would be th about three o'clock in the afternoon, okay? So now a couple hours have gone by, and it's now the evening. They've took these men into custody, Peter and John, and they've locked them up. However, in verse four, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So, you see, the bad news for these anti-Christ religious leaders was they could not stop the work of the Holy Spirit. 5,000 men had come to faith in Jesus through the working of the Holy Spirit on that day. Remember, it is the Holy Spirit that was doing these works, and that's what Peter testified of. The Holy Spirit was doing all of these works through the apostles of Jesus Christ. And the purpose of the miracles was to draw people to come to hear about faith in Jesus and the resurrection. But the story goes on here in verse 5 and says, And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Now, it's kind of a funny question. They already answered that question for them, that it was by Jesus they, they were doing it. But, then, but it goes on, verse eight, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. And let me just pause right here and interject something for us to think about here. There are things that we go through in this life that break us down, that test our faith. They make us weak, possibly, things we go through, right? Cause us to feel lame. Cause, cause us to be without strength, unable to stand. 
or at least we think so, right? Well, the good news is, is that through faith in the work of Jesus, we can be made whole again. Maybe you've lost your health. Maybe you've lost your job, a loved one, a relationship, right, of some sort. There is strength and there is hope in Jesus Christ. No matter how dark it may seem, no matter what you are going through, there is hope in Jesus Christ. And he, by his spirit, will strengthen you and lead you through this time. You can turn the eyes of your soul upon him today. You can be fixated on him. Make him Lord of your life, the master of your life. Seek him above all else and you will be made whole. And for those of you that seem to have no problems in your life, maybe everything's going well for you, be careful when you think you stand lest you fall because we all need Jesus each and every day of this life as we walk through this time that we have here on this earth. Don't be proud in and of yourself. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Don't trust in your money. Don't trust in your riches. Don't trust in your possessions at all. Fix your eyes on the Lord. And Peter goes on speaking by the Holy Spirit here in verse 11. And he says, speaking of Jesus, right? This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, of course, every word of God is pure and good, right? And powerful. But that verse right there, verse 12, speaks volumes. And it's something that people need to come to grips with. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That is as plain and simple as it can be stated. There's no confusing it. There are those who would say that all religions lead to God. The Bible, however, does not say that. The Bible emphatically states that Jesus is the only way. And in the end, the Bible also states that it is Jesus before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. You see, these Jews of Peter's day rejected Jesus and they were looking for another Messiah to come. Many people today still reject Jesus because they just want to stand on their own and do their own thing. They don't want a Lord over their lives. They want to be Lord of their own lives, right? But the fact of the matter is, there's no other way to eternal life. And there's no hope without Jesus. The world is, is dark. And it's a place where things can fall apart. And again, maybe you are a type of person that has nothing falling apart in your life. But it's amazing how so many people, when tragedy comes, they want to call out on the name of Jesus, but yet they don't want to make Jesus the Lord of 
their everyday life, which is what the Bible preaches and teaches. It says, repent and be converted, that times of refreshing may come. So there's something within a relationship with Jesus that you can find nowhere else. And you can find no other way to eternal life with God apart from Jesus. Verse 13, the story continues. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. You see, these guys knew the wisdom and the power of Jesus. They knew that he was more than just a normal man, you know? They, they knew it. They, they, they saw the workings of Jesus. I don't know how many of them were around, but they saw him in the temple at 12 years old, full of great wisdom, speaking wonderful things, right? But they just refused to let go of their own way of living, which many people fall victim to today. They wanted to hold on to their own way, maybe their own religion, so much so that they were willing to kill the Prince of Life. They were willing to kill Jesus. As Peter called him back in chapter three, Peter referred to Jesus as the Prince of Life when he had pointed out to the Jews um, that they had killed their Messiah. He pointed that out to them back in chapter three as well as, as he does here in chapter four. So these guys are caught in a quandary here. And verse 14 says of them, and seeing the man who had been healed Standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So now we do know right here that there was something they could do, right? They could have been like the 5,000 other men and they could have just come to faith in Jesus when presented with this wonderful opportunity to do so. They could have dropped their pride. They could have been convicted and repented. But their hearts were too hard to do that. And again, as we liken that to today, many people are in that position as well today. Their hearts are too hard to come to Jesus. Do you know that if by chance you happen to be listening or watching this Bible teaching that I'm doing here and you have not repented of your sin and come to faith in Jesus, do you know that the Holy Spirit actually has you here for a reason? Maybe there's been some questions going around in your mind. Maybe you're finally coming to that wonderful place of the end of your rope, where you're at the end of you. Well, the Holy Spirit has you here for a reason. Right now, you're being given the opportunity to come to faith in Jesus. This is your miracle. As simple as it is, this is your miracle. You're, he you're hearing Jesus being preached just like these 5,000 men heard Jesus being preached, right? Make the choice right now. 
and call out to him and by faith begin to seek him and to follow him. Be willing to repent and be converted and to learn of him and to grow in him. And the way you can learn of him and you can grow in him is by reading the word of God for yourself. If you have no idea where to start, start in the New Testament in the Gospel of John and read your way through the New Testament. You know, Jesus himself said that whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, that's a very key part of what Jesus said here, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Jesus says, and does them, I will liken him to be a wise man who built his house on a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on a rock. You see, this can be your life today. Just simply find out what Jesus said to do and begin to live it out. Begin to do the things that Jesus said. And this applies to those of you who already profess faith in Jesus Christ as well. We must hear and we must do what Jesus says. Otherwise, we will be nothing more than a bunch of religious hypocrites like these Sadducees and these men that are persecuting Peter and John. But these guys that are persecuting the apostles of Jesus here, they don't make that decision. They don't make the decision to believe, right? And in verse 17, it tells us that what they decided to do, it says, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm sorry, but as I read verse 18 there, it's, it's laughable to me. It really is, right? But this is the way people really are toward those that speak the truth. They just want you to shut up, especially if you're speaking the truth of the word of God in our society today. People just want you to shut up, and they want to try to call you names to get you to shut up, right? We live in a time where Satan is having his way in letting lies prevail, and it's been this way for centuries, right? But today, you know, the media reports lies, and everyone must toe the line and fall in step with the lies, or you're going to be called all kinds of names, you're going to be singled out for not getting with their program and doing things the way the God of this world, Satan, is leading people to do things, the father of lies, right? See, truth is not prevailing in our society today. And there is, though, an everlasting truth that people need to hear whether they accept it or not. Whether they like it or not, people need to hear the truth and know the truth. And people can harden their hearts. They have that choice. They have the free will to harden their hearts to the truth like these men in this story here are doing. You can deny Christ. At the end, though, every, every knee, including yours, will bow. 
Every tongue, including yours, will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But this is what Peter and John are faced with here in this story of Christian history that we read about. And how did Peter and John handle this threat? Verse 19 continues, But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So you see, Peter and John knew, they knew an undeniable truth. They had indeed been with Jesus. They spent time three years walking with him. They seen the resurrected Lord. They seen the power of his spirit within their lives. And they knew the work of the Lord within their own heart. You can go back and read about Peter, how he denied the Lord three times, how the Lord restored him, right? They knew the work of the Lord, and that's the difference, it really is. That's why I do what I do. That's why I preach and teach what I preach and teach, because I know the work of the Lord in my life. I've seen his hand. I've seen what, he, what he's done in me. You know, and without, you know, like on the outside of me, in my life on a daily basis, right? Again, these guys, Peter and John, they, they had indeed been with Jesus, you know? And just because some people believe the words of man, and more specifically, they believe their own words are of the utmost importance, this means nothing to the person that knows the word and the will of God for their lives. It didn't matter what these leaders had to say to Peter and John. They weren't speaking truth. They weren't speaking the truth. So Peter's saying, hey, we gotta do what God says, not what man says. And that's an important thing for all of us Christians to realize today, that we always have to do what God says. We will be built upon a rock, and when the storms of life come and beat upon us, we won't fall, we won't break, because we're built upon the rock of doing the things that our Lord God said we should do, right? For those that stand on the Word of God and that are led by the Spirit, our lives should be lived by this motto, let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, by comparison, we listen to God above all else. What do you say, man? Well, let me compare that to what God says. How do you think I should live? Well, sorry, this is how God thinks I should live. Let God be true and every man a liar. As the Apostle Paul is the one that stated that in Romans chapter 3 and verse 4. You know, there's only one ultimate truth, and Jesus Christ is that truth. And those of us that know him and have been born again of his spirit, we are to walk rooted and grounded in that truth. And this is the stance that Peter and John are taking here. They could care less or I should say they couldn't care less, I always mix that up, right? About the threats of man, anyway. Didn't matter to them. 
The threats of man didn't matter to them. In Psalm 118, King David proclaimed, he said, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. So you see, folks, when it comes to the truth of God, we must take a stand in this lost and dying world where lies prevail and the truth needs to be heard. We're talking about the salvation of souls here. There is not one thing more important than that. Nothing. Nothing is more important than the salvation of souls. So much so that that's why Jesus died. So are you taking a stand for the truth of the word of God today? Verse 21 continues. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So remember, this guy was born lame from his mother's womb. He had been in this condition for over 40 years. And all it took was just two men of God to come along and change his life and the lives of 5,000 other men all on this same wonderful day. And, and, and it caused an entire city to, to praise and to glorify God. Two men unrelenting on their stance for truth. They didn't care what people had to say. They were unwavering in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you too can make the li a difference in the lives of people around you today. If you'll just be willing to take a stand in faith for the truth. The story of Peter and John continues in verse 23 and says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? You see, it's, it's vain it's vanity to plot anything against the work of God, right? Like these men were trying to do in this story, right? Verse 26, the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. So it wasn't just the Jews the Gentiles were all against, or many of them were against him as well, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. 
by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus, which is what we see had, had taken place in this chapter, right? Signs and wonders, a healing had been done in the name of Jesus. But you know, there's so much packed in those eight verses that I just read to you there, you know? Verse 23, Peter and John returned to their companions, we see, right? Their companions were the people of God. That's an important thing to remember. That's who they hung with, other believers. And now the good news was that the believers had just increased in number by at least 5,000 due to the faithfulness of Peter and John and the work of the Spirit of the Lord. Then in verse 24 through 30, upon hearing this wonderful work of God that had um, taken place, it caused the people of God to raise their hands, or to, excuse me, to raise their voice, right? And to pray to God that his powerful works that he had done all throughout history would just continue to go on. And that the word of God, that is the word of truth, would continue to spread. That was their prayer. You see, when a person has faith in the Lord and when they have a group of companions that are also believers, they have tremendous power to affect the lives of those around them. The world around us today is living led by lies and deceit, false reports, and fear and hate are being spread all about as a result of these lies. And it's time for the people of God to seek the power of the Spirit and to stand up and to preach the truth. Unfortunately, today, even in churches, right, many people are beginning to bow to the lies of this world. And they're beginning to accept and condone things that go against the truth that is found in the Word of God. And, and the reason that this can happen is because churches aren't preaching and teaching the Word of God and commanding people to repent and be converted and to stand upon the Word of God and to do the things that are taught in the Word of God. You see, it's time to come out of this world and to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. If you are persecuted and you're told to shut up when you speak the truth, just go and find a group of believers and raise your voice and praise God because you're being persecuted for truth. It's a good thing. Standing upon the word of God. And that's when you will see God work mightily on your behalf and things will begin to move and shake like we see here in verse 31 where it says and when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness so many Christians today wonder why they aren't seeing the moving the moving of the Spirit of God in their lives and then their fellowships. Why are they not seeing the gifts of the Holy Spirit and such and the, the moving of the Holy Spirit? But could it be 
because you're not standing enough upon the truth yourself that you're sold out to seek the Lord with all your heart, to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, everything about you, you're focused, you're fixated on the Lord. You know, maybe you're distracted by money. Maybe you're distracted by many things in this world that can be a distraction that gets your eyes off of the Lord. And then you wonder, where's the moving of the Spirit? What do you need the moving of the Spirit for? So you can use it to make more money? Like Simon the sorcerer, right? Who, who did that? Is that why you want the moving of the Spirit? So you can build your retirement account, vacation, buy more properties and things like that, right? Are you afraid of how others may persecute you? You don't need the power of the Holy Spirit if you're not willing to be bold and to speak the truth of the Word of God. Most churches today just want the moving of the Spirit so they can feel good about themselves and have music that gives them goosebumps, right, and a special feeling. Jesus died for the salvation of souls, and many of his followers died because they were preaching salvation in Jesus. They, they weren't about themselves. They gave up what they had, as we'll see here as we go on. It wasn't about them anymore. And so-called believers today are seeking all of these other things, like I said, nice properties and experiences. But they aren't lifting a finger to impact the community of souls around them with the truth of salvation in Jesus Christ and telling people you must repent and you must be converted. Many churches are accepting people within their pews, within their chairs that, that aren't repentant, that are continuing in sin, but yet calling themselves followers of Jesus. Verse 32 goes on, Now the multitude of those who believe, believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. Again, these people were sold out. Figuratively and literally, they were sold out. They weren't gathering for themselves. They were helping others within the body of Christ. But people were selling everything, and verse 35 says they were laying them at the feet of the apostles, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated the son of encouragement. So that tells you a little bit about him, right? A Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So again, do you see how they lived? They lived as Jesus commanded them to live. So they saw the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives as a result. They were considering others as better than themselves. They were looking out for the needs of each other. They wanted the name of their resurrected Lord to be spread throughout all the world. They weren't concerned about 
401ks and retirement plans and investments. They couldn't care less about fancy buildings and stages and lighting and, and, and running a church as if it were a business of some sort, right? They were seeing the work of the Holy Spirit in bringing people to the resurrected Lord. They were preaching the truth of God that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. They didn't fear what man could do them. They lived the life that proclaimed, hey, let God be true and every man a liar. How about you today? How are you living? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you that your mercy is new today. I pray for us, Lord, those of us that believe on your name, Lord, that we would be people that do what your word commands, that do the things that you've commanded, that we live it out, that we're not just hearers of the word and not doers, but that we would actually live it out in our daily lives, Lord. And that we would know the time of refreshing that comes from your presence. And that we may know the power of your spirit, Lord. That we would take a stand in this lost and dying world. A stand for truth. A stand that shows that we care for the souls of people that are being lost day by day being led by Satan, the father of lies. I pray, God, your will to be done in our hearts. And I pray for those as well that may come upon this teaching. They may hear it. They may watch it, whatever the case may be. And they're in a valley of decision. And they're wondering about you, Lord. And, and again, like I said in this teaching, they're not here by accident. Your spirit has led them to hear this, and I pray that they will seek you with their whole hearts, for you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you, Lord God. So I pray for the salvation of souls, Lord. Lord, let your will be done in all things. I pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But as you tarry, Lord, let us live for you. And we thank you again for this time together here in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, whichever the case may be. And uh, love to hear from you. If there's anything we can pray for you about, reach out to us. You can go to our website, which is on the screen here. Uh, aloveoutreach.com. We have a contact form there. Uh, you can fill that out and ask any questions or anything that we can help you with. But God bless, and we will see you next time.